Hey everybody, welcome to the Pop Anime Comics Lounge. Today I have with me actress Grace Rolick, who has held many roles, including Connie from Steven Universe, Lucy in a Charlie Brown special, as well as holding parts in Kung Fu Panda, Malcolm in the Middle, The George Lopez Show, and countless other shows. So thank you for being on the podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. And so a lot of my listeners want to know, how were you first introduced to acting? Growing up in Los Angeles gave me a huge head start of sorts. My dad actually moved out to Los Angeles in the late 70s, early 80s to pursue acting. And while he didn't get too much success, he made some connections of sorts. And when I was a kid, he asked me if it was something that I would want to get involved in. And naturally, what kid with flair for the dramatic wouldn't want to be a part of the entertainment industry? So I got headshots taken and I was a precocious kid. So I just had my toes dipped in that way. And now you've been acting in many different fields, one of them being voiceover work. How were you first introduced to voiceover work? I remember I learned how to read at a pretty early age. And I remember I went out on audition once and on my first voiceover audition, I remember liking it so much more. And I remember telling my mom, can I focus on this? Just felt so much better because it's so much more freeing to be able to be more imaginative and creative and more over the top because you have to overcompensate for the fact that you have no physical mannerisms that anybody is watching. And did you have any formal training before you really got into voice acting? I did take some classes. I feel like when you're a little kid though, you just have such a cute voice. And if you know how to read, it's like, wow, there you go. You got it, kid. But as I did get older and as my adorable squeaky voice of being six years old aged, into what I have now. I started taking classes again and honing my talent and trying to find ways to convey emotion and depth through my voice. Again, going back to what you can't portray through your facial expressions and mannerisms, like finding ways to get across deeper emotions through just your vocal inflections and tones. And now growing up, one of your key influences was Tara Strong. What an inspiration, honestly. When you think of big voiceover actors, you're like, oh, Tara Strong. Actually, I was lucky enough to have worked with her once when I was really little. And I actually do still keep in touch with her because my dad knows her. So just her versatility and range is something I aspire to incredibly. And now being that you have a personal connection with her. How does that affect you as a voice actress? I wouldn't say that it really has an effect on my career, but I would say that it is nice to know that if I wanted to go and talk to someone as far as a mentor relationship, it is nice to know that is there. And did you have any other influences that pushed you to Voice acting? Steven Universe, booking the role of Connie was very huge for me because I was around the time that I entered high school. I entered a bit of a slump voice acting wise. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do because I had been homeschooled since I was a little kid and then I embarked into a public school and I was like, I want to be a normal kid. <laughs> but I still continued to go out on auditions. And when I got the role of Connie and I started working with our amazing cast and crew, I felt really empowered to take voice acting more seriously again and really immerse myself into it. That's 
arguably your biggest role. What was your first? The very first notable project that I remember sitting down in the booth, I remember I did the English dub of Marlene's character in Final Fantasy VII, Advent Children. And that was a dub, which was a very challenging experience, especially for a child. Because you have to match the lip movements of the animation as it's already been animated to a different voice. And if it's in a different language, it naturally has a different cadence. And it's definitely a bit of a challenge. But I remember going to the premiere of that movie at the Arclight in Hollywood. And I remember A, being confused that the carpet at the premiere was black. And I said, aren't they supposed to be red? But I just remember how thrilling it was. When you're a little kid, you don't really understand the full implications of the concept of fame. But I remember as a little kid just being so excited and being like, this is so special. And my parents raised me to be humble about all of the opportunities I was able to experience. Even at a young age, I did realize that I was a part of something that was bigger than me. And now being part of Final Fantasy, arguably one of the greatest video game slash movie franchises. Were you aware of that going into the audition? As a little kid, I had no idea the weightiness of it. But now I find myself in college and even back in high school, it'll be one of those things where it'll just come up and I'll be like, oh yeah, I did that when I was seven years old. And people are like, what? Are you kidding me? And now you also, when you were younger, you appeared in a bunch of Disney movies, Mulan 2, Tarzan 2, Lilo and Stitch 2, as well as some anime, Nausicaa, Valley of the Wind, you provided some additional voices for. So how did you feel that there was the difference between these two works and these two set of work, dubbing work and featured cartoon films? Well, what did you find to be the difference? A lot of the work that I did on Disney original animated features when I was a kid were additional voices as well. But I do find that there is more room for flexibility with doing the original voice acting because they cater the animation to the way that you speak. If you ad lib a line a little bit and you make up something on the spot, they can say, oh, I like that. That works. I think we're going to use that. Whereas there's less room to mess around with dubbing because they already have the final product. They're just trying to market it to a new audience. And now starting in 2006, you had your first TV show with Lou and Lou <laughs> Safety Patrol as Luis. How did this voice come about? I remember auditioning for it and I remember being really excited. It was an interstitial which meant that it ran between 30 minute blocks or technically 22 minute blocks on Playhouse Disney now called Disney Junior. But I remember Lou and Lou Safety Patrol was a really fun gig for me because it was the first time I really like worked consistently and like on a schedule like week by week you're gonna come in record X amount of episodes and and then you go home. And I remember it was also one of the first times I ever did group recordings with the voice of Lou. So I remember that was very interesting. And also getting to watch it back, I feel like that was one of the first things I worked on where I could actually clearly hear my voice when listening to it back because all of the Disney features I did and my work on Nausicaa, it was additional voices. So you had to listen hard to hear something I would say in the background. But with Lou and Lou Safety Patrol, I was like, oh, wow, that's me. And now, how did you go about finding the voice of Luis? With Luis in particular, for Lou and Lou Safety Patrol, it was my normal speaking voice at that time. I did find with kids shows in particular, and now to this day, there is a very specific cadence that you have to use where it's very like, we're here to keep people safe. It's very sing-songy and chipper and very positive because it has to be directed and marketable at children. And so even though my voice was high 
and squeaky and cute. I had to be able to read lines in a way that was sing-songy and bubbly. And directors used to do for me when I was a little kid, they would read a line for me and they would say, okay, now try it. We're here to keep people safe. And they couldn't get their voices to do the sound exactly the way, but I would just imitate it. And then that's how they would get the sound that they wanted out. And now being that this was your first scheduled work, how did this experience differ than being in a feature film and doing voice work for a dub? There was no premiere. When I was a little kid, that mattered a lot to me. I was like, I don't get to dress up or anything. But it definitely has a more laid back vibe as things go on. Because when you're working on a television show, you start to develop a relationship with the crew members. Whereas with voiceover, if you have a small role on a film with voiceover, you might only be working for a few days. So you don't really develop friendship and inside jokes and camaraderie between everyone and not even just your fellow actors. The sound guys and the writers and the people who hand you your paperwork. With television shows, you all get to know each other and become friends. And now at this point, were you still being homeschooled or were you transferring over to regular school? I was homeschooled until 2011. Most of my body of work took place in that time span. And I don't think I could have accomplished as much as I did as a kid if I had been enrolled in normal school, just because it would have been a lot to pull me out of school every day to go to auditions and work. But I knew kids who did it. It wasn't impossible. And have you also provided a bunch of additional voice work for Kung Fu Panda, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatball? An American Girl, Krissa Stands Strong, and Horton Here's a Who. <laughs> what is it like to provide additional voice work? And then secondly, what is it like to be older and providing voices for these major films? It's definitely different. I think additional voice work relies heavily on improv skills because a lot of the time when you're looping they just run a scene in the background and you have to provide walla in the background because when you're recording a scene in a movie you usually just have a boom mic over the main character speaking and so if there's no background noise it doesn't really sound real so when you go in and you record ADR you have to have the little conversation between those two extras in the back otherwise it seems unrealistic so what I would do when I was a little kid when I would work on Horton Here's a Who or Cloudy with a Chance of Meeples as an example, they would just say, okay, you're a bunch of screaming little kids because ice cream is falling from the sky. So say a bunch of stuff about that. And you would run back and forth in this sound room with a bunch of kids my age and we would be like, I love chocolate chip or something like that. And you'd have to make stuff up on the spot. So that's a big difference between a lot of other voiceover stuff because one big thing is voiceover. You don't have to memorize your lines. You get to sit in front of a microphone stand, read off your lines into a microphone phone. But with ADR, it's different. You have to completely think quickly on the spot. If they're like, okay, another run, you can't say the same stuff that you said on the last take. And now following these roles, you played Lucy in a Charlie Brown special, Happiness is a Warm Blanket, Charlie Brown. How did that role come about? That was actually really exciting. I remember that was another big landmark role for me because I was the Charlie Brown specials are unique because they seldom use the same voice cast for every single recording because they try to keep it authentic and keep their voice actors actually the age of the characters when they hire them. I auditioned for The Voice of Lucy when I was 11, and then I believe I recorded it when I was 12. But Lucy is one of those characters, you don't have to market Charlie Brown. Like, Charlie Brown is iconic. So I remember when I got that role, it was amazing because I could just tell people, I'm playing Lucy, and everyone would know what I was talking about. For example, jumping forward to getting the role of Connie. Before Steven Universe came out, they would be like, that's cool, you're working on something, but that has no relevance to me. It has no cultural significance yet. But with Lucy, it was like, wow, everyone knows what I'm 
talking about already and generations back. But as far as actually auditioning goes, I remember I actually auditioned for the previous Charlie Brown special that had come out. And I auditioned for Lucy, but I was a little bit too young. By the time the next special came around, I was in that perfect age range spot. But I remember the way it worked was I was emailed a few voice clips from the original Charlie Brown specials and my lines were the lines that she said in those clips and I just had to match as closely as I could to the original Lucy's voice. And were there any pressures? Definitely. I mean, they were very, very specific with what they wanted. I could be saying a simple three-word line and have to record 50 takes just to get that cadence and that tone exactly right and keep the spirit of the Charlie Brown legacy in it because one thing that's unique about the Charlie Brown movies is that they don't really want their kids to sound polished. They want their kids to sound kids. A lot of the time when you hear Charlie Brown movies, they say things kind of awkwardly as if they're stumbling over their words a little bit. Like, you blockhead Charlie Brown! If you were just saying it to someone, it'd be a lot more realistic. But within the Charlie Brown movies, they wanted it to sound like a kid reading. So I had to go against my instincts a lot of the time when I was recording that. And being that you landed this role and you were a part of it, do you feel that it really helped to elevate your voiceover career? I definitely think so. It gave me a little bit more credibility, I would say. I feel like sometimes it takes a little bit of success to get more success, but it's not so much that you need success to get success in the most literal sense, but you do need to have the experience and the talent that having some experience can bring to help you be just as professional and just as ready the work. And now let's talk about arguably your biggest role. We mentioned it earlier before. Steven Universe, you're the voice of Connie. How did that happen? I would definitely say that that is my biggest role yet. But I definitely would say that being a part of Steven Universe has changed my life. As far as auditioning goes, I had no idea that it would turn into what it turned into today. I remember I was a sophomore in high school and after school I told my friends, can't hang out with you guys today. gotta go do an audition some new cartoon network show can't talk about it in detail but one day maybe i'll be able to and they're like okay grace see you later i remember reading the lines and the audition i remember two weeks later i got a call from my mom and she was like oh my god grace you're not gonna believe this that cartoon you just auditioned for you got it and she's like the one with rebecca sugar and i was a huge 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 adventure time fan before i worked on steven universe so when i found out that i got the role i was over over the moon like screaming this is incredible I can't believe that I have this opportunity and now fast forwarding to the end of my freshman year of college I went to my first convention being someone that people came to see which was incredibly surreal but it's completely turned my life upside down and now how did you get into the voice of Connie I was 15 when I was auditioning and a lot of the times they won't say the exact age of the character I think they said something like ages 10 to 13 for Connie I think they were still in the character development aspect of writing the show. I don't remember. And I remember looking at the character description. They said that she was very bookish, didn't have really any friends, and she's grown a lot as a character now, but she was very to herself and kind of sad about her position in life because Steven on the show was her very first friend. And I took that and made her voice a little bit sweeter than mine is because my natural speaking voice is a little bit 
low. I made her voice a little bit younger and a little bit more hopeful and curious sounding because I think one of the biggest things about Connie's character in relationship to Steven is that she's gone from feeling almost inferior because she's a human to just being like curious and wanting to be a part of everything. And now you mentioned that you sweetened her voice. How does that affect yeah. you watching the show? Luckily my voice is different enough for me to enjoy watching Steven Universe without being like that's me I can't but it is similar to the point where some of my friends who have watched the show and they're like I can't watch the show without being like that's grace that's so weird but it is I can separate myself from it because it doesn't sound exactly the same to me and now you mentioned that your life hasn't been the same since you voiced the character you just went to your first con as a guest how did that all happen that you got booked as a guest at a con actually it was out of nowhere and very surprising Zach Callison the voice of Steven was originally going to go to a convention with a few other cast members of the show, but I don't think any of them were able to make it. And so he reached out to me and said, oh, would you be interested? And I was like, are you kidding me? Of course I would. So we went to the Animate Miami convention together and it was very fun, but it was very surprising because I was like, wow, obviously you know that it's a big deal. You look on the internet, you see what people are writing about the show and you see the fan base, but then you go into the real world and you see fan base. With voiceover, there's a lot more anonymous being a voiceover actor because people know you for your voice not the way you look so you're not exactly gonna walk down the street and be recognized so at the convention people know who you are because you're billed as being the voices that you are and people see you and you're like oh my god it's Grace Rolick voice of Connie I'm like you know who I am how do you feel that you're transitioning over more into the public as a voice actor I'm happy that I'm doing it now I think if a role like Connie had come along when I was younger and less secure in my identity. <laughs> so I definitely think being thrusted into Spotlight as a younger person can be confusing. I'm grateful that everything has timed itself the way it has. And now you also are a musician. How did you discover music? Music has always been a really strong love of mine. I remember when I was a little kid, I would hold my friends hostage practically and make them listen to me sing songs. I would just be like, sit here, I'm gonna perform for you. And eventually my overly prideful performer side. I want to learn how to play the guitar, the bass, piano. And I started taking music classes, getting much more passionate about music. And I started songwriting. As I started listening to more music, I was like, wow, I really want to do that. And lately, music and its creation has taken more of a backseat role, mostly because going to college has been focusing on school and then managing flying to Los Angeles to work on voice acting. But it's still a passion of mine. And do you feel that being a musician helps you as a voice actor? I would definitely say so. I think singing and practicing singing is a great way of working on vocal control. And I think being a good voice actor means that you have to be in control of your vocal cords and know how to use them to get the sounds that you want instead of just speaking. And I think that with Steven Universe in particular, since music is such a heavy part of the show with singing in your character's voice is two challenges in one because you have to A, change your voice to sound like character you're playing and then B, sing on top of that, carry a melody without sounding like yourself. It's a challenge but I've been lucky to work with some very good voice coaches in my day. And now you've been acting, singing, overall voice acting as well for a majority of your life. What advice do you have for people who want to get into this industry? You have to develop a pretty thick skin because rejection is just one of the many, many, many incidents that you'll 
face if you're trying to be an actor. And before I booked the role of Connie, I went through about a three year dry spell without working on anything. So you really can't give up because you never know when you're going to really achieve the thing that you were dreaming of. I mean, that sounds cliche, never give up on your dreams. But the people who do end up succeeding are the ones who didn't stop when they hit the first amount of opposition. And another thing is not letting it really get to you. One thing about the voiceover industry and the acting industry in general is that it's really cutthroat. I remember this happened fairly recently, so I'm not really at liberty to talk about details, but I was working on a new project for a few months and they decided to take the project in a new direction and I was replaced. And it's not something that can stop you because you will find as an actor, a voice actor, in anything that you're doing that you have to roll with the punches and that not every job is going to work out for you and it's just the way that life goes. And then before we go, do you have anything you would like to promote? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? If you guys want to see what I'm up to, my Twitter is public. It is Grace underscore Rolex and then my Instagram is Grace dot Rolex is spelled R-O-L-E-K. If any updates about any future appearances or any future projects I'm working on will be posted about somewhere on there. As always, everybody, thank you for listening to this week's episode. And you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio, and anywhere else where you listen to your podcasts. And while you wait for next week's episode, you can check out popanimecomics.com for articles relating to anime, comics, and pop culture, as well as you can follow us on Twitter at popanimecomics for all updates regarding this podcast. Till next week, everybody, have a wonderful week.